Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Chris Schubert. We're your hosts. We're from the Draft Network, and we are brought to you by Bet Online, the number one source for all your sports wagering information. They've got it all, of course, football, but the NBA season that just got started, you can bet on that over at Bet Online, not to mention MLB, NHL, boxing, you name it. You can find it on a simple to use website. It's available on your desktop or your mobile device. Check them out. You'll get a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards over at betonline.ag. It's BetOnline, and it's where the game starts. Christopher Schubert, happy National Kangaroo Awareness Day to you. We need a day to be aware of the kangaroos. I feel like, and you know what? This is gr- this is great choice by you because we insulted the entire continent of Australia on the Friday edition of the show. <laughs> and so you're making it up to them with the kangaroo, which is known there in the land down under. I feel like that is a major overstatement to say that we've in- insulted all of Australia. No, no, no. It wasn't we. It was you. I, I didn't well, do anything. Well, again, overstatement of the century. Also, uh, happy National Bologna Day to you. Couldn't tell you the last time I had a, a bologna sandwich and uh, National Food Day. That's all-encompassing food. Wow, it's a um, big day. I eat bologna sandwiches on the regular. Bologna and cheese, my go-to sandwich. So I will be celebrating this with day what condiment? Nothing, just bologna cheese and bread. Really? No mustard? Yes. No mayonnaise? Mustard. Nope. nope. Right. Bologna cheese and bread. Some some chips on along the side here. Um, now, folks, I just want to let everybody know, and I think everybody knows this by now. We're recording the show Sunday night okay and so the the seahawks chargers game we think is over okay so joe and i have made the decision that we're gonna go ahead and do this thing and so if you see us react to something or if you see news (laughs) come through because i'm waiting to see if what what happened with Brees hall it looks like he tore his acl but i'm reacting to this in real time so this is what we're gonna deal with on the sunday show we have our dudes we have joe's mock draft that by the time you listen to this it will be out to the public so we will have a fun show but apologies if it's a little disjointed at times because there are some things still happening in the background while we record the show you mentioned things that we have. There is something we don't have. Okay. A, uh, a certain co-host by the name of Kyle. Well, he, last yeah, name I mean, Crabs. He, like he's the at crustacean. the Dolphins game. He's yeah, at he's, the Dolphins game. He's there with the Dolphins. Which will have happened by the time you listen to this, but hasn't yeah. happened by the time we're recording this. It's very weird. We're in like a, this time paradox. But yes, he's, that's why he's not here today. He'll be back on the tu- on the uh, the Tuesday edition of the show. Mm, we'll see. We'll see if he makes it back in time. All right, so we got my dudes, your dudes, uh, a peek at my mock draft. Christopher Schubert, I'll uh, I'll offer you my first dude here. I've got two okay. college dudes, two NFL dudes, and there's something about my dudes that I like to try to pick players that maybe have been doubted and did some things that people didn't expect. And so you'll you'll feel that theme throughout my guys this week. But I want to start with Oregon quarterback Bo Nixt. 
not nixed, Bo Nix, a big-time performance in Oregon's 45-30 win over UCLA, 21-26, 248 yards, four touchdowns. This guy's been playing some great football, and I think everyone got a chance to see that against UCLA in a big game against highly ranked teams, big Pac-12 contest, UCLA also having a great season. But everybody watched Oregon play against Georgia, and I think it's kind of put them to the back burner. And they've been playing really good ball, and it's been led by Bo Nix, who's been phenomenal since week two. Week one, you're like, oh, my God, it's more of the same with Bo Nix. He's fool's gold. You know, the same guy that we fell for year over year at Auburn, just couldn't play with any level of consistency. Well, he's gotten to Oregon. He's playing great football, and he was in command making accurate throws against UCLA. You can really tell that he's got a lot of physical upside, and he's starting to be a very consistent player on the field. And and I came away from that UCLA game mostly just thinking about Bo Nix and how, I, how impressed I am with his growth and, and had to be one of my dudes this week. Yeah, it was a great performance from him in a big-time game, right? Oregon needed this game if they wanted to be uh, relevant in the conversation for the Pac-12 championship and potentially a, a college football playoff berth. And Bo balled out. He ran the ball well. He was able to make some good throws down the field. And, and Joe, I think the point that you made there is extremely eloquent, right? Where I think the way it ended at Auburn had left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. He transfers to Oregon. Everyone goes, okay, new start. Let's see what he's got. And then in that first game against Georgia, yes, it's Georgia, but it felt very much like the same thing. And I think a lot of people at that point said, okay, I'm done with Oregon. I'm done with Bo Nix. I'm going to turn my attention on a weekly basis yep. to other college programs. And they have not seen the development of Bo Nix. They have not seen the growth of the player of Bo Nix. And he is a different player and a different quarterback than he was when he was at Auburn. And I think that he was in that first game against Oregon. He is a vastly different player. Shall I share the comp that I teased to you in the text message this oh, morning yes. that we talked about? So I, I was texting uh, both Jamie and Kyle during the game yesterday, and I, it, it finally clicked for me. And listen, before anyone tweets at me here, I don't pretend to be the, the scout of the show. That's not the role I play here on the show. But as I watched him play specifically this game, there was a certain player that stood out to me. And if we could get this version of this player at the pro level, then Bo Nix, I think, could be, could be a very good starter for some team in the National Football League. Joe, this is a guy that was in your region a couple years ago. Mm. This is, and there are two versions of this player. I want the Mitch, not Mitchell version of Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> that is what Bo, uh, Bo Nix reminds me of. I think physically that's pretty good uh, in terms of size, arm talent, movement skills. Okay. Okay, I don't hate it. I, I, I thought that I was going to have to... To list this, when you said, do you want the, the comp? I said, no, save it for the pot. Save it you for did. the pot. You did. You did say that. Um, I thought I was going to have to, like, question you for being a little aggressive. And I don't think that you were. No, I think I don't think you were. reasonable. And if you can get Mitch, not Mitchell Trubisky, at the, the, the second or third round, I think you've got yourself a quality starting quarterback with the right structure, think of think of Bo Nix on the Detroit Lions. Tell me that that's not a good fit. Yeah, I use, mean, it, use our this first Bo two Nix, picks in the yeah. first round to get yeah. some help to, to our defense, and then we get Bo Nix in the second round. This version, oh man, it's it's kind of like the Kenny Pickett thing, where it's you sort of have to forget about some bad. You know, I, we watched a lot of very below average Bo Nix, just like we watched a lot of very below average. Mitchell Trubisky, or excuse me, Mitch Trubisky, please. Right. Well, I don't a want lot the, of, 
I don't want the Mitchell version. No, that's I, not. I, I don't. It. That's not the comp I'm making. Just like with Kenny Pickett, right? You kind of had to. You had to to foil the good with the bad and lean into to the player that he told you is when he's when he's leaving. And I think for Bo, that's going to be important. I think a, a player like Bo Nix as well. Like the the All Star circuit's going to be huge for him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, big time, big time opportunity. So we'll, we'll see a lot of football left, but um, that, that, that came in, that landed better than I feared it would. Chris. You know what? I got to be honest I'm, with you. That's fine. And you know what? That's the criticism I deserve considering again, I said at the top, I did not my role on the show, but I figured I would give it a shot. <laughs> and I think I did pretty well. You know, there's a certain game that, that takes place in mobile at the beginning of the year that Bo Nix might be well suited yeah. to go down there yeah. and participate in and, and maybe show some people up. Uh, can I share one of my dudes? Cause it's a guy Please. that's in that same game. It was yeah. somebody that Bo Nix was throwing the ball to. Troy Franklin, eight yeah. for 132 and two touchdowns. Yeah. This was the number one target for this Oregon Ducks team. I, I don't think this this guy is draft eligible this season. Probably a guy that we put on the short list uh, for next year at the wide receiver position. But boy, did he ball out in this game. Our guy Brentley Wiseman shouted him out. And I was watching this game. And boy, was he was he that guy, that dude for Bo Nix in this game. So I wanted to give him some love as well. Yeah, Brentley was ready to draft this guy in the first round right now, right? <laughs> I don't think he's eligible, but certainly one that you put a, a star next to as we are always thinking about the future draft classes. So, uh, yeah, they definitely got themselves a nice receiver there in Franklin. A, a true sophomore, according to ESPN. Now, I don't sophomore. know if that includes the the COVID year. I don't know how any of that yeah, those who knows? work, but a sophomore, according to ESPN in his yeah. class. My next dude. I'm excited about this one, Chris. Alabama cornerback Eli Ricks welcome to the party 30 to 6 win for the Crimson Tide over Mississippi State now remember this is a defense this is an Alabama defense that we talked about last week on this podcast and how they gave up 52 points to Tennessee 567 yards last week a ton of that through the air well Eli Ricks finally gets his chance to really start for Alabama and he was phenomenal Will Roger, Will, uh, the, the Mississippi State quarterback, Will, Will Rogers, he targeted him 10 times, completed one pass, 19 yards allowed. Eli Ricks, five forced incompletions. I'll tell you what, man, 2020, and I know that that's a while ago, 2020 Eli Ricks had first-round corner tape. There's no doubt in my mind. I know he was a little shaky last year, and obviously things have been off to a bumpy start at Alabama, but – I came into this season feeling like the player that I watched in 2020 was the best corner that I'd seen of anyone in this class, maybe notwithstanding Cam Smith last year. So it was just good. I don't look, I know there's dynamics there. There's probably some red flags. There's things that I need to be aware of as I forecast Eli Ricks to the NFL and the valuation and all that type of stuff. But damn it, it was good to see him play well. And that's exactly what he did for Alabama. And they needed him. They needed a spark on defense. They got it in Eli Ricks. And listen, the, the My Dude segment isn't you proclaiming that, oh, he's back, mock him in the first round, let's right. get the hype started. Oh, no, it's rewarding a great performance. And this is a guy, Joe, we don't have to go that far back. I mean, we'll, let's go back to August when we were starting this process, at least from when there was games being played. This guy that was still being mocked in the first round because of the yeah. talent, because of what we saw on tape. And then slowly as the season started to get underway and the performance wasn't there, he has slowly faded out of that conversation. Now, does one performance immediately put him back into the conversation? No, I think we would pump the brakes on that. But hey, you start to stack performances like yep. this together. Now, all of a sudden, it is okay or we aren't that far removed from the 2020 tape because he's starting to put 2022 tape on 
the board as well. And so then you can start to really get your, your, your head around something of, okay, maybe this is a guy that we want to inch back in to the first round and be one of those top corner prospects uh, in this class. It's going to be a weird evaluation. I'm very excited to see ultimately where uh, the TDN staff weighs in on him and how it all kind of shakes out. Uh, my dude, my second dude from college, I did the two pro and two college thing that I did last week. It was a dude that as of this morning, you were going to have originally, but you made a late pivot. And so I'm going to take him because this this deserves a performance. This He started at a school that I call a home, got a degree from there in Arizona State. Jaden Daniels, quarterback of LSU. This man goes for 21 of 28, 248 yards and two touchdowns. Doesn't throw a pick, but it's what he does on the ground. 23 carries, 121 yards and three touchdowns as the LSU Tigers dismantle the Ole Miss Rebels yeah. 45 to 20. And they, they were all over them in this game. And listen. Jane Daniels, when he entered school, was one of those top prospects that you circled and said, man, give this guy a couple years in college. Let him work on some things. Let him get comfortable. We're going to be talking about this guy as a draft prospect. It didn't go that great at Arizona State with Herm Edwards and with that offensive coaching staff. He now transfers, and it hasn't been great the entire time at LSU, but this is the type of performance that you point to and say, wow, this kid's got some talent, and he was a big reason why LSU was able to win this football game. So the moment you dropped him off your list, I said, no, we got to have him in the segment here, so I put him in there. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Um, you remember we were in Tuscaloosa, and one of the big questions that I was wanting to talk about with you know you and and Kyle and uh, Chase Goodbreed who uh, who came to the uh, the the live podcast was who's the third best team in the SEC? And of course, this was before this was before the Texas A&M Alabama yeah. game, much less the Tennessee game. And there was a lot of people saying, hey, "I think it's Ole Miss. I think it's Ole Miss." Well, we've since learned that it's actually Alabama, right? <laughs> right, right. They're third. It's Tennessee, Georgia, and then Alabama probably right. is the way you would stack it. Right, but LSU, I mean, you know, tough start, obviously, but maybe that should have been expected given a new coaching staff and um, onboarding a lot of new players and getting it all to work together. But Jay, uh, Daniels has is, is come in and played well, and, and he hasn't even necessarily, I think, hit his stride with Keishon Butte yet, right? And we know what he's capable of, but it's the rushing production to go with the passing production. Um, and 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 obviously, I, I'm sure you saw the Brian Kelly tweet after the game, right? Would you, did you have a, a reaction to that with, with that shirt on? The, the, kind of a shot at Lane? Listen, I... <laughs> Brian Kelly's a weird dude, man. Like he just really like weird. I just I just don't have a really good gauge of Brian Kelly. But look, he was brought in there to kind of write a ship that had kind of gotten sideways after they won the national championship game. And I think they were looking for some consistency. And the one thing you can say about Brian Kelly when he was at Notre Dame, Joe, is they were consistent. They were, they were always going to achieve a high-level bowl game. They were going to flirt with the playoff. They were going to have good recruiting classes. They were going to constantly be in the mix. And I think that's what they want with LSU. And would you not agree this is his marquee win now at LSU? This is oh, the one sure. in his yeah. early tenure that you'd circle and say, okay, Brian Kelly has made his mark at LSU. And so you want to have a little fun along the process? I Listen, that's fine. Man, people want him fired like after that first oh, game. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? It's so insane to me. Uh, let's talk about my next guy here. I want to go to the NFL, Carolina Panthers quarterback, Phillip Walker. You want to talk about a guy that was just an impossible situation this week, right? The week after you, you fire Matt Rule, they trade away Robbie Anderson for the BS that happened on the sidelines. Christian McCaffrey's traded midweek. They, they traded away their best offensive player. 
They right. traded away their best offensive player, and they still went out there and beat the Bucs. 21 to 3. And and Phillip didn't have this monster day, right? 16 to 20, 277 yards, two touchdowns, but he played winning football. He played the game he needed to play in this game and said, okay, Tom Brady, I don't think you can you can hang with us. I don't think that your offense is is consistent enough to to play with our defense. And I just have a lot of respect for the toughness that he displayed going out there and and quite frankly, outdueling Tom Brady in a game where nobody was giving you a chance. Nobody went out there, played good football. And, you know, as the Panthers have tried it with Sam Darnold and tried it with Baker Mayfield, Walker's been, he's been around, right? And I'm excited for him to have an extended opportunity to play, right? And who knows what's going to happen? My expectations are low. But for this week, he played well, and he's going to earn the right to have more opportunities to play. And maybe at worst, they can look at Walker as a bridge quarterback. But he's going to have a nice opportunity, and I loved watching him with his back against the wall, the entire team's back against the wall, coming out and beating the friggin' Tampa Bay Buccaneers 21-3. Well, they, they're supposed to get Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield back next week, right? Those guys are both supposed to be Did healthy, you see Wilkes' so. comments on this? I did not. Did he yeah, say something? He, they, he acknowledged that they're back, but he said, Philip Walker is going to be tough to take out. That's I love that. That's a coach. Yeah. You you win a game. Your quarterback plays well enough for you to win, and you endorse them. That's a that's good leadership from Steve Wilkes. There, I did not see that. Thank you for pointing that out. Mm-hmm. That is some great leadership uh, from Steve Wilkes. You don't want to listen. There's a lot of rocking the boat that's gone on in Carolina, and it's none of those players' fault in that room, other than yeah. maybe Robbie Anderson. Uh, but he's not there anymore, <laughs> and so you you got it. You got to galvanize that group. You got to get them refocused. And and this a win like this certainly does. But I think comments like that certainly go a long way uh, for him building some some morale in that locker room. I would like to give my first dude from the NFL level to a gentleman and it's it he's playing well but also because of Brees Hall's now torn ACL or at least that's what they fear it to be the new leader for offensive rookie of the year Kenneth Walker of the Seattle Seahawks with an absolutely monster performance goes for two touchdowns in this football game goes for, I think 168 yards, 23 carries, 168 yards and two touchdowns, just some angry runs, keeping Mm -hmm. drives alive for this team. And listen, we thought this Seattle team was going to be nothing when they traded Russell Wilson away. They're not missing a beat. They got a good quarterback in Geno Smith. That's making plays when they need to. We'll have to see what happened to DK Metcalf with his knee injury to see if that's a long-term thing. That's obviously going to put a damper on this win. But you go into SoFi, Joe, and you not only win against the Chargers, beat the Chargers by 14 points. You were all over them the whole game. You, I mean, Herbert was constantly trying to get the Chargers back into it, and you couldn't get it done in large part because of the way they were able to run the football with Kenneth Walker. So one of my NFL dudes got to give Kenneth Walker some love. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um Nice little nucleus gr- brewing here with Seattle on offense with, you know, young players, two tackles, obviously Ken Walker uh, stepping in and playing good ball. Geno Smith is providing an answer like this team. This team has exceeded my expectations this year. And you start to think about what they have in terms of draft capital. And <laughs> it's crazy that you say goodbye to Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson in the same offseason. And I'm more optimistic about the direction of the team. You know, so look, uh, good, good for them. Good for them stacking wins and obviously a statement, a big win over the Los Angeles Chargers.
my last NFL dude, you knew I had to find a reason to talk about Brian Dayball's New York Giants. <laughs> this time I'm going to use Daniel Jones. Uh, 19 to 30, 202 yards, a touchdown pass, but also 11 rushes for 107 yards and a touchdown. At some point, the NFL is going to learn that Daniel Jones can run, right? Like, I don't know I, what I it so. is. I hope so at some point. The Bears had no clue that it was a thing. The Jaguars didn't know their defensive ends are going inside and not taking care of their contained responsibilities. And the Giants are just saying, okay, well, we'll just keep doing it. And, you know, credit to him, played winning football, didn't turn over the ball, went on the road. Felt like a, new, a home game for the Giants. I don't know how much this game you watched live, but like it was a good it, contingency of Giants dude, fans at the game. When, yeah. when the Jags were were trying to win the game late and you know had the ball, it was loud. Well, it was let, loud let in just, there. Let me let me just add this because I think it's a great it's a great footnote. The Jets fans traveled well to Denver for the game against Denver. So both New York teams playing good winning football. Their fans have been yeah. wanting this for years, and they're like, yeah. "Okay, you're playing this kind of football. We'll go support you, and you can travel." And listen, Joe. I mean, let's be real. It's October 24th in in New York, in New Jersey. Uh, you get a chance to go see some Florida weather. Uh, I think you take your chances, mm, right? Doesn't you, you travel down you there? Twist doesn't hurt too hard. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to, to be able to do that as well. Uh, yeah, listen. Daniel Jones, is he wowing you with what he's doing? No, absolutely not. But he's doing what is being asked of him, and he's making plays. And, Joe, the most important thing, he's not turning yep. the football over. That has been the killer part of Daniel Jones's game in the first three seasons that he has been with the New York Giants, and he's just not doing it this year. And it helps when you have number 26 in the backfield looking like the number two overall pick that he was a couple of years ago in Saquon Barkley. The the 5-1 New York Giants, respect. 6-1. Six, 6-1, and one. Six and one. And my one. apologies. At Seattle next week. Somebody's got to lose. At Seattle. So, well, home against Houston. Lose, home but... against Detroit. Come on now. Let's let's go. It's six and it, one, I, man. I said it on the TD and Daily podcast last week when I talked about the state of all three New York teams and the three wins that they all had last week. The Giants were already at five and one at that point. I pontificated that they only needed, and that's my big word usage of the day here on the show, pontificated. You used galvanized a couple of times too. It's been very impressive that they only need probably three or four more wins from that five-win mark to be considered a lock for the playoffs. Because I don't know, Joe, if you've paid attention, but the NFC South might be the worst division in football. Oh, they all stink down there, and w we might be able to get to that probably when we do word association on tomorrow on the, on the tomorrow's show. So you got to probably get to eight or nine wins, and you feel really good about a playoff spot. They're at six already, Joe. Yeah. They're at six. Houston, Unless the bottom Detroit, completely falls out, and they're two too well coached Washington. for that. They're too well coached for that. So they're going to get there. They're going to get to nine, probably ten. Right, and that's what it is. Like We can continue to acknowledge that this isn't a super talented team, but as we're learning with the Giants and we're also learning with the Buccaneers, that coaching matters in the NFL. Big time. It does. My dude... And this is a guy that was written off in the preseason. Man was asked in the Hall of Fame game to run the ball late into the game. We're like, what are you doing with this guy? You're trying to trade him. You're trying to increase his trade value. This is ridiculous. Yeah? Well, guess what? He's the reason why you were able to beat the Houston Texans, and you're not 1-5, and five and you're 2-4 and four instead. Josh freaking Jacobs. Love it. 20 carries, 143 yards, three touchdowns. And this man had some angry runs. He was running with some purpose. <laughs> he was running with some intent because you know what? They needed it. And having that element – 
to go with, oh, look at that. We were able to find Devontae Adams in the passing game, led to the Raiders being able to put up 38 on the Texans. Yeah, it's the Texans. And listen, it's not any of the juggernauts in the AFC, but a win is a win is a win in the NFL. And a large part of the reason why the Raiders were able to win is because Josh Jacobs was running with some energy, some emphasis. This looked like the guy that they drafted all those years ago. And this looked like a guy that was ready to ball out. And so he deserves some love for the way that he did ball out, get into the end zone three times. And he earned it. 7.2 yards per carry, Joe. He His last three games, 28 for 144, two touchdowns, six catches, 31 yards. Two weeks ago against the Chiefs, th- 21 for 154, touchdown, five catches, 39 yards. Sunday against Houston, 20 for 143, three touchdowns, and then, of course, four catches for 12 yards. I mean, three Josh straight, Jacobs. Three straight 140-plus yard rushing games for Josh Jacobs. Three straight. Impressive impressive every time I've, I've watched all three of these games and every time that I, I it feels like he's just getting 10 yards a run like it's it's just an unbelievable consistency and so how do you foil that how much is this is like contract year some doubt maximizing his earnings potential like or do you I know that you're you've watched a lot of Raiders football like is he is he that different this year compared to previous years, or, or what, what's your vibe check on Jacobs? I, I think the first point is certainly a valid one, that it is a contract year, and there were a lot of questions of would he even be on the team. I mean, Joe, it's not long ago, and I know it's a different regime, but it's not long ago that the the uh, the Raiders gave Kenyon Drake a multi-year contract, mm-hmm. and we were wondering if that was going to spell the end of Josh Jacobs in, in Las Vegas. We were doing this yeah. for a couple of years now, and when given the opportunity last year, the year before, he has not done this, right? And so when given the opportunity to shut that conversation and to be the guy, he hasn't done it. And so, yeah, in a contract year when it probably feels as if he's not going to return to the Raiders because I, I don't know if Josh McDaniels and company are going to want to pay a running back what he's going to get on the open market. And so they might just try to replenish in what is a very loaded running back draft class, I will mind you. We've got like eight to ten names deep that I think yeah. could make, be, make meaningful impacts on football teams next season. So, yeah, I think you have to worry about that. But, man, he's playing hard. He's bouncing runs to the outside, getting to the edge with some speed. Like, it, it's it's been fun to watch. And so, can he continue this pace? I don't know. He's done it for three straight games. Let me do mm-hmm. a quick look at what the Raiders' schedule is coming up here, of what kind of opportunities they're going to have to be able to run the football. After this, it's uh, Saints and Jaguars, Colts, and then they play the Broncos again. And you circle the Broncos game. Good wow, that's, that's yeah. a good defense. But he ran for 140 on him yeah. two weeks ago. So it's it's not like he hasn't done it. So something to keep an eye on and file away because he's putting up statistically numbers that are going to warrant a big payday in the offseason. But do do teams look through that and say, yeah, you did it in a contract year. I don't know if I'm going to pay you those big bucks. We'll see. Uh, uh, The best thing for Josh Jacobs, this is something we talked about when he came out as a prospect, is that didn't have a ton of mileage on him in Alabama, right? Just a kind of a one-year starter that platooned. But he's only 24 right now. He doesn't turn 25 until February, right? So he's going to enter his age, his full age 25 season. You'd like to think he's got three or four years of decent play in him, right? I don't know. I don't know if the the Raiders will pay him based on some of their other needs and, and what they've got invested in other players. But if Jacobs can stay healthy, someone's going to pay him to be a starter. 252, 
252 carries in college, including 120 in his final season at Alabama. He then came to the National Football League and has gotten 242 in his first year, 273 in his second year, 217 in his third year. He's got 91 already this year, 823. So he's over the 1,000 attempts mark. I mean, Joe, 1,100 yards in his first season, 1,000 yards in 2020. Last year, he takes the dip down to 872, but he's only got 217 attempts. I mean, Joe, here's his average, 4.8. 3.9, 4.0 3.9, 4.0 this year, 5.4. Yeah. There's a difference. Playing his best There's ball. There's a difference. And, his I, best and I think right we now. can agree this isn't the best Raiders offensive line he's had. No. No, so. I, I, would, I would. Yeah, no, it's good for it's, him, it's, man. Yeah, uh, that's it. Those are my dudes. Your dude's good as well. My dudes are good. And um, I guess I'm interested in finding out if you're good with my mock draft, the one that just dropped at draftnetwork.com. 3.0, Christopher. I've done three of these things. And, um, Got a different guy at the top this time around. You do. And this is your first version. Kyle did this for the first time over at TDN last week. But this is your first version using the actual order, the way it stands as of its release. And I think that's a very important footnote because that dictates uh, some very different uh, permutations. There's another big word for you of the way that this draft board plays out in comparison to using the reverse Super Bowl odds, courtesy of our friends over at BetOnline that we had been using in the past. I mean, Joe, let's talk about it because I earlier in the show said, let's just take Bo Nix in the second round and use our first two picks if we're the Lions on other positions. And you say, no, Chris, we're going to use the first overall pick on Bryce Young if we're the Detroit Lions. And Joe, listen, we got a lot of questions I think we got to ask about the one in five Detroit Lions, unfortunately, with the coaching, because this should not be one in five. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I didn't love mocking Bryce Young to the Lions, right? I, 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 I don't think I'd love... I don't love him as a number one overall pick type player. I, I just given given his size, to be quite honest with you. Um, but if you're Detroit and you're picking one, and how do you like how do you not go with a quarterback? That that's where I'm at with it. How do you not do it? Especially when I have three going in the first five picks. You can't just not participate in the quarterback class. You, okay. All right. Let me ask you this question. And and I believe this, right? You you mocked quarterbacks to Detroit, Carolina, Houston, eight, uh, Tampa Bay, and I think that's, that's it. it, right? Yeah. So four. Tampa really doesn't count. Of they're they're one of the teams. I will I'll put them to the side for for a second, right? Of the teams mm-hmm. that you gave quarterbacks inside the top five, Detroit is the team that is most quarterback ready. We've got a good offensive line, one of the top three offensive lines in football. We have a good running game. We have pass-catching threats at all three levels of the field. Amon Ross St. Brown, who went out with an injury. We have TJ Hawkinson, and we hope to have Jamison Williams as a down-the-field threat as well. So we have have threats at all three levels of the field. We have a good offensive line. We have a good running game. You want to talk about setting up a rookie quarterback for success and and they're going to either sink or swim with all of the pieces that they need around them. The Detroit Lions are in a much better spot than Houston or or Carolina, the other two teams that you gave quarterbacks to. I will say, though... Yeah. Is Jared Goff the problem right now? Because no, we still got other things we got to fix on defense. Correct. I, I agree. I agree that Jared Goff is not the biggest problem with the Detroit Lions. But if you're picking one and you've invested some high draft picks recently on defensive players, I think you have to participate in the quarterback class. And it comes down to intangibles from Bryce Young, playmaking instincts, and that connection with Jamison Williams. To me, that tipped the scale in, in favor of the other quarterbacks 
to, to for him to be the choice for, for the Lions. So do I love it? No, but that's my rationale. Let me ask you a question about another pick because I'm really intrigued behind the thought process here. Houston picks second, and they also pick fifth in this version of your mock draft. And at mm-hmm. five, you have them taking Will Levis. But I'm more intrigued by what you have them doing it too, because with Bryce Young off the board, you have them skipping the opportunity to have their pick of the remainder of the quarterback class, knowing that the team directly behind them is going to take a quarterback in the Carolina Panthers. And you said, no, thank you. We'll take Will Anderson (laughs) and we'll let the board fall to us at five. And you had them take Will Levis. So in your mind, do you think that the Houston Texans would be comfortable with either one of those two quarterback options? Or I guess what I should say, in your mind, you were comfortable with either one of those quarterback back options for Houston at number five. Oh yeah. This is 100% writing the mock draft special, right? Where you get the opportunity to stage it how you want to stage it. Um, and so I think in a, a real world scenario, um, you know, if this goes down like this, the Eagles probably are a trade back team. You invite some other teams to move up and, and maybe go get a quarterback. Like there's a lot that can go into it. And obviously I didn't project any trades this time around. So this is me just being able to kind of take advantage of, well, I can't really let Will Anderson go any further. The Texans are picking again at five. There's only one quarterback threat ahead of them. Philly's not going to pick a quarterback and they have the four pick cur- courtesy of the saints trade. I-, I think it would be logical for it to slot like this. So this is me being the guy pulling the strings, if you will. No, no, and it's, I, please don't take it as a, as a criticism. I just wanted to understand the thought process because for me, if on draft night this is the order and Houston sees a quarterback go one, they, they're not going to not take a quarterback at two, right? Like they right, just, they I should don't, pick their guy. They should yeah. pick their guy. Don't, don't hope that he falls to five. Now, if you have... If you have C.J. Stroud and Will Levis graded very closely, or let's say a, a quarterback emerges, a Hendon Hooker, and Anthony Richardson, somebody emerges as, as an option here, and you have them all graded kind of similarly and you're comfortable taking any one of them, then okay. By all means, go get Will, go get Will Anderson, right? No one's going to fault you for going to get Will Anderson. But if there's a clear divide for you, yeah, you got to turn the card in, especially when you're also picking again in the top five. You, you A pass rusher will get to you. There's some options there. Uh, so I'm intrigued by that. How much does it sting right now that the fourth, fifth, and sixth picks in the draft are all courtesy of trades? The Saints, Browns, and Broncos. Well, I think I think I, I think all three of the fan bases who gave up their picks are really disappointed. Not that they don't have the first round pick, but disappointed with the way their teams are playing. I mean, if you're Denver, did you ever thought you would be picking no. that, that you would be playing bad enough to warrant the seventh overall pick? You traded for Russell Wilson. So we've no. got bigger we've got bigger fish to fry than the fact that we're picking seventh overall. We got a team that's in disarray right now. We're talking about firing the head coach on a weekly basis because of some we scored nine points against the Jets. We 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 have not scored a singular point inside of two minutes of the fourth quarter or overtime of a single game this season. So in closing time, when you need points, we're not scoring points. I guess. A good thing in that Denver performance is that Brett Rippon didn't come in there and light it up, right? You, you you like you can get rid of that curiosity a little bit. Brett Rippon was the best quarterback on the field in that game, but you're correct that Russ will very easily slot right back in when they. I right. think you're in London next week. He'll slot right back in if he's cleared and healthy, no problem. Right, right. Yeah, he did Silver not look good. There. Uh, Cleveland, you, you have to wonder. They're two and five. I mean, what's that team going to look like when they when they turn it back over to Deshaun Watson in week was it twelve or thirteen when they play? When he's when he's back, it's it's, you had to hope that you're around 500 right now. There are three games under and I, I, I still can't get week one out of my mind. And I know that this is ridiculous, but week one, 
they should not have won that game against Carolina. This should be a one-win football team right now. Sure, and 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 Joe, here here are their next four games before Deshaun returns against the Texans: the Bengals, the Dolphins Ooh, in Miami, playing good. the Dolphins oh in Miami, the Bills in Buffalo, Ooh. and the Bucks at home. Now, listen, wow. we can say whatever we want about the Bucks, but one in three is probably what you're looking at at best case scenario. There, I think if you told. Kevin Stefanski behind closed doors. You could be two and two over the next four. I'd bet you he'd take it. Sure, because I'm here to I'm here to tell you. I'll say it because I said it when we did the coaching hot seat. Kevin Stefanski's coaching himself out the door. He's not coaching himself into 2023 with the Cleveland Browns. Man, they could be. They're three games under 500. Man, Joe, I see. Joe, we lost close games to the Jets, the Falcons, the Chargers, and the oh. Ravens. Well, we got to find some dubs here. They, man. One and three and zero oh and four are very possible. And so now you're very handing, possible. You're, you're, you're either handing a two and nine or a three and eight team over to the person Good who Lord. hasn't played quarterback in over seven hundred days. And the last you, time he did, he quarterbacked the four and twelve Texans team. Again, I don't like talking about Deshaun Watson on the he show. He played but great that year, but like, come on now. That that's what he that's what he's going to be walking back into. And so yeah, they're them picking sixth or fifth right now. Not great. Um, I have a pick that I'd like to talk about. Top 12 pick, running back, B. John Robinson going number 12. <laughs> That's high. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss. Dolphins are a tough team, man. Um, you feel like they have some needs at corner, maybe linebacker, uh, offensive line. I just didn't love a lot of the value. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I think I romanticized a little bit about McCaffrey going to the 49ers and how exciting that could be with Debo and Kittle and and – you know, we 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 somewhat we we like to marginalize the running backs in that Shanahan offense, but then you start to say, well, what what if they had a really dynamic player? Like, could you imagine Miami with Bijan and, and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill outside? Like, I don't know, that might be the scariest trio of running backs and two receivers in the league, right? I don't yeah, want to play sure. that team. No. So we and yeah, we there's play them twice every year. Yeah, I, I'm not interested in that. I, I I'm really not. So, like, as a Bills fan, I think the most flattering thing I could say is that I hope this doesn't happen. <laughs> me too. Uh, let me close on that. As a please, God, pick some offensive tackle. Please. Right. Please don't yeah. have B. John pick, Robinson on your yeah, football Pick Peter Skaronsky, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Nothing would – pick Cam Smith. Nothing would right. make me happier than you not having B. John Robinson. And that's me being sincere. Let's talk about Peter Skaronsky because you have him going 15th to the Green Bay Packers, and I think yeah, this is an interesting pivot for the Packers. It. But but boy, do they need help on the offensive line because did you you saw the tweet of what their starting group was Dude, today? It's insane. Or yesterday, excuse it's, me. I I can't keep up anymore. The last two three years of Packers football and Zach and Tom to piece, was our starting left tackle today. Right, Nijman at right tackle. I, I mean, Elkton Jenkins plays three different positions every game. It seems like. It's they've got to get some like pillars, some legitimate. This guy is a long term there every single game guy. And I know the Packers always pick defense and I know they're not going to pick a receiver. So Brian Gutenkast, the offensive lineman just seemed like the, the logical high floor stabilizing pick that they need. I don't know why I just noticed now that you gave Jordan Addison to the Jags, but it only now just crossed my radar while we were doing this. So I don't want to jump back up, but I just noticed that you gave the Jags another offensive weapon after all the things yeah. they've invested in the offense the last couple of years. Yeah, well, I mean, but the thing is, they do have a lot of young, good players on defense at all three levels. And I, I just, 
you know, Jaguars are in my region uh, for pro scouting with the draft network. And I, I watch them a lot and I, I feel like the impact of a true field stretcher could mean a lot for this football team. And um, maybe they could go offensive tackle here, you know, depending on what happens with Jawan Taylor and that expiring contract. But I just feel like with you know, Marvin Jones being an expiring contract, you, you, you just need, you need more outside of Christian Kirk and Zay Jones at receiver. And so this to me was the field stretcher, the, yards after catch guy, the separator that could kind of complement those things and, and continuing to give Trevor Lawrence what he needs to be successful. So I was, I was pretty comfortable with what they have on defense and I, I didn't really hesitate giving them the receiver. I appreciate you continuing the Isaiah Foskey to the Baltimore Ravens thing that we have, we started a couple of weeks ago and <laughs> we liked, and you did it again. What's funny is if you, you know, you, mock drafts never come out in one draft. Uh, they take a few runs and that was one that I got too late. I had them going a couple of different directions, including, um, a linebacker. Um, I considered a receiver, but I just kind of like, I'm watching this game today. Justin Houston's out there making plays and like, come on, <laughs> Justin, good for Justin Houston, but that's not a long-term answer. And, and I feel like Owe is just every time I watch him, he just seems extremely wrong. So yeah, I, and and what we, we we have David Ajabo, right? Who you know we don't know what that's going to look like, right? And who so knows? We, let's let's get some more options. Let's get sure. some more options yeah. in, in the building. Um, I want to talk about the back half of the draft because it is a conversation that we've had, or the back, let's say the back like six or seven picks, because it's a conversation that we've had on the show before. Maybe this could be our, our closing thought uh, for the mock draft. It is it's tough to put names in there because it doesn't yep. feel like we have thirty one names that are that that no. right now are let's call their names in the first round. But there are a couple of there are a couple of names, and you will correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember us talking about three names at all in the first round when when doing this. Dewan Jones, you mock to the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. John Michael Schmitz, you give to the Bills at 30, and Garrett Williams at 31 are three that I circled of. Hey, these appear to be newer names that we're talking yeah. about, and let's focus on them here for the show. Yeah, a lot of why nots uh, as you get to the back eight. You know, back. 25% of mock drafts, especially right now this year, it, it, it becomes difficult. So Dewan Jones, uh, right tackle, Ohio State to the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I think Ter- Terrence Steele has stepped in and been pretty good for them, but I think that's an opportunity to upgrade. Um, and, and really, I know the analysis is only a couple of sentences, but I really meant it when I said, hey, Cowboys are going as far as Dak's going to take them. And, and injuries have made that a little bit complicated lately. You get pass protection, right? But you also get a legit road grader that's going to help maximize your significant investment in Zeke Elliott. And so I thought the best way for them to be the best of themselves was to improve things up in front of them. And you know, I'm excited about Tyler Smith and they got Zach Martin still, but I, I think this this offensive line can still take a step. And so I was pretty comfortable with, with that. Uh, you mentioned John Michael Schmitz, um, interior offensive lineman from Minnesota, have him going to the Bills. I think guard play has been kind of underwhelming for Buffalo this year. Roger Saffold uh, in in a one-year deal type situation at left guard. I think they're going to need a plug-in option there. They're going to need a young player, kind of reset the money a little bit uh, on the offensive line. And that was logical to me. And who was the other player you said? Was it Garrett uh, Williams? Gar- Garrett Williams, 31, yes. Yeah, Garrett Williams, uh, Eagles at 31. Wish he played against Clemson. I was excited to kind of see that matchup. But Garrett Williams um, – Really competitive corner, love his ball skills, love his physicality. And, um, you know, I think he's got some versatility if you want to play him in, in man or zone. 
So James Bradbury, kind of a one-year option to me for Philly, right opposite of Darius Slade. They're going to need somebody to step in, and I think they can find a, a player they'll like at the back of the first round. Do we want to talk about Hendon Hooker? He is the fourth quarterback that you had come off the board, and you gave him 18 yeah. to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're a team that right now is picking you know, in the teens and don't really get their pick, but it certainly feels as though – Tom Brady's not going to be playing there next year. This is a disaster right now for them. And you decided to go with Hendon Hooker as the answer. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing, like, let's just say they stumble. They're probably going to stumble their way to winning that division, right? And and that means a home playoff game. What can they really get done this year? I'm not sure. I have questions about their coaching and a lot of expiring contracts. Obviously, Tom Brady, and his long-term future. There's a lot of questions. So when they reset, what does that look like? How deep does it get, right? I, I can see that being a number of different answers to that question. But the the reality is they have to get a quarterback. And Hendon Hooker, to me, is interesting. I like the the vertical components that he brings to the table. I like the dual threat nature. I like the the intangibles, right? Like you think about this Tennessee program and how it's very quickly changed. And not not many people were excited about Josh Heupel coming there, right? And and for Hendon Hooker to play the the role that he has – and this Tennessee program getting turned around, I don't know. I, I, to me, there's a lot of intrigue there. I know it's a it's a tough offense to translate from. I know that he's not a perfect prospect. There's He's a little bit older, all that type of stuff. But um, I'm not going to ignore what he's doing right now on the field and, and the fact that there could be a team that that is willing to roll the dice on him in the first round. And, and to me, if there's a team that's going to do that, somebody like Tampa Bay, who's not going to be high enough in the draft, to make the pick and maybe don't have the assets to go all in and moving up as far as it'll take to get that done. Hendon Hooker feels like kind of a logical choice, especially if they stick with Byron Leftwich, right? Which I, I that might be uh, tough based on the might be the tough, whole, right? The whole coaching staff, I think, is right. Is, Let's live in a world where maybe he is around. Hendon okay. Hooker is a perfect type of quarterback for what you think he wants to get done in the field. I will I will finish the show with this question for you of the mock draft, and then we can close. As of this moment, Joe, as we sit here on October 24th, you feel that there are going to be at least four quarterbacks taken in the first round. Because you have four yeah. in the mock. Do you feel yeah. a certain type of way of four going in the first round? Four is a number I'm comfortable with. I think the first three are pretty obvious in Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. And then you just need one, right? Hendon Hooker. You need Cam Ward, right, as the the, the fourth guy. I think you can get one of them in the – Bo Nix, right? Like, there's enough – close guys in my opinion to get the fourth one in there the need will be there chris you know that well okay joseph let's let's take a trip in the time machine because we've been doing it a couple times in the show we had a lot of quarterback needy teams in last year's draft class and we had one go in the first round and i know i know historically yeah Teams that teams will reach for a quarterback, but they didn't last year, and that is a that is a a data point on the on the chart that I I got to at least put some type of context to. I have to include. It is a in data my, point. It's a data point, but all the other data points tell us that the NFL is going to reach on quarterbacks, right? So if they, if if it doesn't happen again, then okay, well I'll take it a little more seriously. It does impact my mind a little bit, but. I think the the more significant sample size of information tells us the NFL is going to reach on quarterbacks. Uh, Joe, I appreciate uh, your pick for the New York Jets. We don't have to get into you mocking them, Jalen Duncan, but I appreciate it. Uh, I'm a big fan of that selection. Uh, A good mock draft. I I give you a 9.5 out of 10. 
Oh, wow. Thank you. I'll I'll take that all day long. And the reason why I give you a 9.5 out of 10 is mainly because most of Twitter is going to be upset with you. So I figured I'd lift you up a little bit. Oh, really? People are going to yell at me for this. Wow. Okay. Well, they can yell into the ether. I'll uh, (laughs) I'll be getting my work done here on a Monday. I I assure you of that. And uh, yeah, that's it, brother. That's it. Uh, Maybe Kyle's back tomorrow. We'll find out. We'll see. We'll see how uh, how he gets back and if the timing adds up. But he he's he's said his intent is to be here tomorrow. We'll we'll find out. Uh, regardless, Chris and I will be here. Come on back. Thanks to our friends over at Bet Online for their continued support. We'll catch up with you again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 